G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name is Jacko. I'm joined by Andy this afternoon and fuck me, what a weekend. How you going, Randy? I'm still upset. It was, uh, we pushed recording back. The emotions were rather high the last couple of days. I've been very angry. I have been on some severe doses of copium to get me through the last couple of days. I had to change my hat. <laughs> you, are, you are now wearing an Aston Martin hat. I'm all for Seb this weekend. Seb's going to win. <laughs> Seb better win. This afternoon, we're going to talk about the fever dream, the shit show that was the Brazilian Grand Prix. And after that, we are going to jump in and discuss the Yas Marina Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which is the final race of the year. But first, we have two news articles to talk about. So we're going to start with the first one that came out. May as well, mate. So 16 hours ago... At time of recording in Italy, it was announced. Well, I don't know what the newspaper was because the website's in Italian. <laughs> so it starts with a G. Gazetta. Gazzetta. I guess it's. I don't know what that is in Italy. I don't know if that's their fucking Giz- Batuta. No, Gazetta means newspaper, I obviously, think. but I don't know if it's their Batuta or not. But however, it reported that Ferrari is making. A pretty significant change. That they are going to put Mattia Bonotto in the bin. Yes. And bring in a new team principal. Frederick Vasseur from Alfa Romeo, according to this news article. So when I saw the news article, I was very excited. Very shortly after that, though. Yeah, literally two hours later. Ferrari's come out and gone, that's not true. Yes. Rumors are, what's the exact thing? It's a... Scuderia Ferrari statement in relation to the speculation in a certain media regarding Scuderia Ferrari team principal Mattia Bonotto's position. Ferrari states these rumors are totally without foundation. Basically, they're calling it a crock of shit. So it's happening. Well, Alfa Romeo and Frederick Vasseur have not made a statement, which and is that a- was for, that's within the last fourteen hours. And look, Alfa Romeo never says anything. Ever, because they never ask them questions. Never ask questions, <laughs> but they, they also never come out and say anything. The only time you get information from them is in a press conference. I I hope it happens. I don't think Mattia is the problem. Look, he I think he's the problem as team principal, but not the the problem. It's not the core issue. The core issue is clearly the strategy team. Yeah, he should definitely get fired. Yes. However, as the representative of the strategy, like as as the the captain of the Ferrari ship, yes, I think Mattia Bonotto should not be team principal anymore. I agree. I, I don't uh, think he should lose his job at Ferrari. No, it shouldn't be a complete get out of the sport. You're not here anymore. But you've had is it four years? Four now? years, yes, since we actually started rewatching this shit. Yep, he's had four years. He's been leading the team. They have not. They've had glimpses of success, and when they're all good, it's all good. But that's normally on the back of their drivers going against the team. Yeah, or their drivers burning to death. Yeah, I mean, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it it's come out. Ferrari said no, and whenever an F1 team says no, that's definitely not happening. It normally means it is happening. Yeah, so... And if they come out and say it is happening, it could mean one of two things. It is either going to happen or it will never happen. So yeah. they've said no, so that means yes. Well, last time Ferrari was led by a Frenchman, and everything was pretty good. That was Jean Tot when Michael was there. Exactly. And they were unbeatable. The only thing they need now is a British technical director, a South African designer, and a German driver. I'm sure there's some available. I'm sure there is too. I 
Ferrari and F1 are so connected. They are, they've been there forever. They've they've had a, a dominance period. They a brief dominance. A period. very brief six years, wasn't it? Roughly six. About six. Yeah, he was still pretty good in '06, but it was just the the Renault was better at the start of the year. Yeah, they're important for the sport. I and also we watch this sport because we want to see good racing, and part of good racing means that the top three teams, which in our generation is Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari, need to be competitive against each other. Yeah, and even still, I'd throw that Alpine should be in that mix too. Have all four engines that are in the sport competing against each other. I know that's not the case. However, it's becoming closer to the case with Alpine. They this is their best year since I'd say the championship. That's a statement because it's been an absolute dumpster fire for one driver. Exactly. And they're still... They still hate there. Yeah. Oh, and we will talk about that too. We should talk about the other piece of news though. Okay. So going into last weekend, I said on the podcast that it was announced that Nico Hülkenberg was going to be announced that weekend by Haas. That didn't happen because Gunther came out and said, no, I never said that. Yeah, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but he has said that Wednesday Abu Dhabi time, they will announce the new driver lineup, and it's all but confirmed that it's going to be Nico Hülkenberg. And I believe all my statements from last week still apply. I'm I'm happy to see Nico back in the sport. You want him to back in the sport to leave on his own terms. That's all I want him in the sport for. I don't want him there to hold up a seat. No, and also he is not a seat holder. He is a very talented driver. He's never been in a car that's given him an opportunity or he's been taken out in races where he has had the opportunity to put that car on a podium. Yeah, exactly. As much as we like Mick, he's not... He's not F1 caliber just yet. Not yet. And that's not saying he can't come back. But, you know, once you kind of leave the sport, it is rare that you come back. Nico, yes. Nico coming back is a long shot that not many of us expected. I mean, we've joked about it all year, but it wasn't until the last week that we sat down and genuinely like, oh, this man's probably coming back into the sport. And that's a fantastic thing for Nico. It's a good thing for Germany. It's another German driver. At least they, don't, they lose a German but get another German. Yep. And Nico's a good fella. Like, he, he and Danny, when they were at Renault together, was an awesome pairing. Yeah, and I, I think it, I think Nico deserves that, just that chance to just go out on his own terms. Like, he was forced out of Alpine and Re- Renault for Esteban Ocon, and look at how that's turned out for Alpine, let's be real. Not great. He's, he's very toxic, I find. But I forgot about the other piece of news. It's only a small one. What is it? Enzo Fittipaldi's joined the Red Bull Junior team as a full member as of uh, this month. Look, I've watched. I can't remember if I've watched Piedro because there's two young. Piedro was it? Is it Haas? Yep, because there's two young fitter parties. Enzo, yes. Enzo's is, the younger one, and that's Enzo Junior, isn't it? No, no, just Enzo. Enzo Fittipaldi da Cruz is a Brazilian American racing driver who currently drives for Charus Racing Team in the FIA Formula Two Championship. As of November 22nd, he became a Red Bull Junior team member. Thanks, Wikipedia. Fantastic. No good. He's the grandson of Emerson Fittipaldi. Emerson. Emerson. He's the one who was in F1. Yes. He's the one that's won a world championship. Yep. So he comes from racing pedigree. Yes. However, we've seen that if you're in a racing family, it doesn't always mean you're going to have the same levels of success. But he's a good young driver. Racing in F2 is a competitive sport. It's very competitive, actually. But being in the Red Bull Junior team is not a bad thing. Not at all. That's a that's very handy. You get a really nice, cool livery on your car when you race. It is the best looking livery, it in my is, opinion. It is the best junior livery on the grid. 
or F2. But yeah, like that that was the other piece of news that I forgot about. And it's fantastic. It's nice to just have a piece of news that we can just state and, and it, go, that's fine. That's fine. It's Let's move on. <laughs> so Brazil was well, one of... Actually, it's the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, not the Brazilian Grand Prix anymore. Okay, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix in Brazil, brackets, asterisk. Yeah. Is one of the sprint weekends. The last one of the year, thank fuck. Yeah, you're not a fan of the sprint weekends. I've said I didn't like it. When we talk about the actual race, I enjoyed this one. I still don't think they're good for the sport. No, and I, I think qualifying proved that. Let's talk about qualifying because qualifying was the highlight of the weekend. For Honestly, was the highlight for me. Start us off, man. Start well, us off. Let's go back to Q1. Go. Five, five drivers were knocked out. Can you want to take a guess at who they are without looking as you stare at your screen? I'm going to go on a limb and say Latifi. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, Latifi was out. I remember Mick being out because you yeah, had he was top last. and bottom. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. No, Danny made it through. Yuki was eliminated. Yes. You got two left. Stroll. No. Okay. Damn it. One more guess. One more guess. Joe. Yes. Joe Guan Yu. Yeah. And it was Valtteri as well. And Valtteri, which is... I mean, that's where that alpha is at this stage. Of course. They, they have a track-specific car. And they're also probably well into 2023 development now. There's no upgrades coming to any of these cars. No, not at all. We, the development's finished. The development probably finished a week or two ago. Well, Mercedes was still bringing minor upgrades as of like a few weeks ago. So I think maybe like a week after that, everyone was sort of like, yep, 2023 now. Yep. They were eliminated. Nothing major there to, to speak about. They were just slow, weren't they? Yeah, they were just slow. Like, well, I guess it was a rain. Must have been rain in that session. I do remember watching it, but I don't remember if it was raining or not. But their times are like one fifteen oh five, one fifteen, one nine, and then the next times are like one twelves. Yep. So I'm gonna guess there was a bit of rain in Q1. I don't know if it was raining itself. I know it definitely ended with raining, even though there weren't cars on track. I can't remember if it was raining in that session or these guys were just off the pace. Well, they're really off the pace considering the next times are one twelves, unless it unless it rained prior. The track was damp heading out. So maybe that was, and then it dried up in Q2 for softs, and then they had to go back to inters, because if you look at, yeah, that would make sense. Yep. Qualifying was interesting. Because of because of the change in weather and whatnot, it led pretty much every team on race day to have a different allotment of tyres. Yeah, and you know who would have really liked to have been here and talk about this? Reese. Yeah. Just come back, man. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you, man. We miss you. Maybe we should actually message them about the season review, get them in. Oh, we have to. We'll have to. We'll go kidnap them if we need to. So anyway, Q2 comes around and the usual suspects go out. You lose. Alex Albon is in 11th, which is shocking for a Williams. And especially on this track, that's not. that's got a bit of downforce in the technical sections. It does, but Albon, he's showing in every outing that he can outdrive that car. He's having a very George Russell-esque year at Williams from last year where it's like, Oh, you are pumping that bad boy. Mm-hmm. And I love Albon. I, he is my favorite lower team driver. I, just, I think he's f- brilliant. Um, Seb's still in the sport, so Seb's my favorite lower team driver. I don't. And now I'm going to have to choose a new one next year. I don't put Seb in a lower tier Actually, driver. Actually, you know what? I'm going to put Fernando in. The, he's in a lower tier car, though, so therefore he's classified as a lower tier driver. I know. I hate it, though. And then Fernando will be it next year. I do like Fernando, too. Uh, so Pierre 12th. 
Seb, 13th. Danny Rick, shocker, 14th. And uh, Bitch Tits in 15th. <laughs> Stroll. Stroll in 15th. And then, then came the session of Kings. Q3. That's where everything interesting happened. So all the cars are pulling into the, the pit lane just before the green flag. And obviously K-Mag being in the Haas, being in the last pit spot, he gets out first. And he's on the softs. Temperature had dropped. Temperature had dropped. Max is on the softs. George is on the softs. Lando's on the softs. Carlos is on the softs. Esteban and Fernando are on the softs. Louis on the softs. Sergio's on the softs. And then there's Charles Leclerc. Oh, I forgot about this. Yes. Am I the only one on Inters? Yes. Oh, They didn't need to check in that one. I can't believe they didn't hit him with a checking to be like, do we lie to him? Do we, te- do we just be like, no, they're soft. Don't look at them. So Charles uh, gets fucked by Ferrari something fierce. Because after the first laps, the, the, the grid's pretty much set at this point. Because K-Mag gets out on pro- provisional pole because he was the one in clean air. Followed by Max, George, Lando, Carlos, Esteban, Fernando, and Lewis. Sergio can't set a lap time. Doesn't set a lap time on his softs. No. I don't remember why. Nor do I. It wasn't It wasn't a flagged event. I wonder if he had a lock-up. He either had a lock-up, and it wasn't deleted for track limits. There wasn't any of those in qualifying. It must have been a lock-up heading into one of the corners. Yeah. Or he was or out of position. Or the line before the next thing. Yes, and at this point, rain started to appear on some corners of the track. So yeah. it wasn't... By, by the end of the, most of them getting through the first lap, second lap of their, like their first flying lap, I should say. Yep. Rain's starting to appear and there's a very visible dry and wet line. And a certain squid gets a bit sideways on said wet line. It breaks himself into turn four and, oh, wouldn't you know, there's a red flag just for just in time for the rain to come down a bit heavier. There is, which meant grid order was set. No one was coming back out. No one was coming out and setting a time quicker than 111.674. And the scenes, as it ticked down to one minute to go in that Haas garage. K-Mag got pole. Well, it is beautiful to watch. Watching. That's where the weekend should have ended. Right that was there. it. Turn it off. Stop the cap. Stop the count. We're good. We watched Gunter Steiner sit there, look at his watch. We watched the clock hit zero. We watched him turn around, put both hands in the air to the crowd, and everybody went wild. The people's team. The people's champs went on pole. K-Mag jumped out of the car. The scenes are incredible. There was hugging. There was crying. Watching Gunter and K-Mag in the pit lane hug each other. For no, that's what the sport's about. Yeah. That, that lower-tier team doing something phenomenal. Yep. And you know what? Yeah. All the people on the internet who said, well, if there wasn't a red flag and the weather was good, he wouldn't have been on pole. Obviously, dickheads. Duh. I but still want to enjoy it. <laughs> Let us enjoy the best. 24th nation to get a pole position in Formula 1. He races under the Swiss flag? Danish flag. Danish flag. Because he's Danish. Yep. Just like a good treat that I like. Nothing better than a good Danish. <laughs> that was terrible. That was a, such a bad dad joke, but we'll take it. We'll take it. The following order, Max was in second, George third, Lando fourth. That is a really good showing for the McLaren. And wrong McLaren. Wrong though. McLaren. And Carlos fifth, 
Esteban six with Alonso right behind him in seventh. I'm sure the team love that. Yep. Lewis Hamilton eighth, Sergio ninth, and tenth Charles Leclerc because and Charles didn't even say the time. Well, no. By the time he, because the the crazy part was, they let him do a hot lap, a, a, a hot lap on the intermediates. Like everyone in the commentary went, "Oh, you got to call him in of of his warm up lap. You got to call him in, put the softs on, get him out there for one lap." They let him do a flying lap on those intermediate tires, and he had pulled into the pits at the end. He didn't actually set a time. No. Which, obviously, because the track was dry up until pretty much he went into the pits, started raining. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Classic Ferrari. That man cannot catch a break at all. It was a good qualifying. I believe the quote was beautiful, fucking beautiful, as he pulled in to get the softs on. Just... Only to get red flagged. That poor man. That poor man. Seriously. To, to sign one of the longest contracts in Formula 1 history, in one of the most prestigious teams in Formula 1 history, to start the year, like it was this year they came out and dominated the first three races. I know. They dominated the first like four or five. Because if you think about it, he was leading. He got pole at Miami. He fucking just... Max was quicker. Spain, he was 30-something seconds ahead before his engine went bang, bang. Yeah, and it... Blew up. Yeah. Monaco, he's on fucking pole. And they just bring him in when Carlos is in the pits. Yeah, sick one, boys. And it is the worst pit lane in the sport. Azerbaijan, engine go bang, bang. So really, it was... Silverstone, he's left out on the wrong tyres. It's just a comical uh, sequence of events from... uh, the Emilio Romagna Grand Prix in San Marino at Imola. That was very well done. I don't know how I did that. I that was get, well done. I'll never get that you, again. You were looking at me, but you didn't see me. You saw through me, and yes. you pulled that out of the yeah, ether. Yeah. From that, that race onwards, it's been a clusterfuck with one shining glimmer of hope, and that was Austria. And even in that, engine went bang, bang, and cooked Carlos alive. <laughs> oh, that, and that was scary, too. And, and the marshals, again, marshals, you put the fire extinguisher... At the fire. Did you notice at Brazil when like when Lando's car... No, was it Lando's or was it... One of the cars that pulled off the track, they chucked a chuck under the wheel. Yeah, straight away. That was the first thing they did. <laughs> I was yep. just like, why don't they do that at all the races? It was, And it was Lando's car. It was Lando's yep. car? Uh, it must have been. He DNF'd in the, in the yeah, GP. Yeah, he DNF'd, but they struggled to push it off. That's why I thought it was someone else. That's why the, the last safety car came out. Yeah, no, they struggled to push it off, but they, they chucked it... Without even assessing anything, some dude ran up and put a block under the wheels. Okay, And then they helped him out, and then they went went from there. Do we want to talk about... I mean, we have to talk. I know your answer is going to be no. I don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about the sprint race. Look, here's what I want to say about the sprint race. K-Mag's pole was reason enough why sprint races don't need to be a thing. Yes. Because K-Mag deserved to start on pole for the Grand Prix. He'd done enough. 100% agree. And then the sprint race came along and ruined it. Of all the sprint races we've seen, this one was the, the worst. Most, enjoy- most enjoyable. Nah, the nerve <laughs> for you right now to say that. It's the least enjoyable. <laughs> Everyone that I like got fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most unenjoyable piece of crap. Nah, it was pretty good. It was, was yeah, the worst part about it was we were like, damn, that was actually acceptable. That was the worst part about it. Look, I would love... 
nothing more than for K-Mag to have started the Grand Prix on pole. He should have. Absolutely should have. However, the sprint race occurred. There were a crap... It was, what, 24 laps? Yeah, 24 laps. And I think they said there was about 36 overtakes. It was in the 30s, I believe, of overtakes. Now, I've Googled to find out, and I can't find it. A number of times in commentary, Brundle pointed out over the weekend the sheer number of overtakes in a very small condensed format. Okay. The big... I mean, yeah, there was a bunch. But the big takeaways were... And you pointed this out to me because once the race was over, I just turned it off. I didn't watch what happened after the race. Oh, (laughs) this is what I like to call instant fucking karma. What happened during the race? There was an incident between Ocon and Alonso. Another one. Yes. And this one was... I don't think Ocon gave Alonso enough room to pass... They've collided, which has caused Fernando to knock his front wing. He has to come in. He's race ruined. Straight he's, to the back. Straight to the back. We all know he's going straight to the back. Ocon's car caught fire in Park Ferme. <laughs> and burnt. Burnt to a crisp. And I was just like, that's instant karma for what you did to Fernando. It is. And Fernando was pretty animated on the, the radio about how it's always him saying that he nearly killed him in... Was it Azerbaijan, he said? I believe so, yeah. And then, like that. and then he brings up Hungary as well, where Ocon nearly killed him. And also, now, isn't Fernando... I hate most of these team radios. One, because it cuts off Ted, which for some reason... Two seconds, they, Jack. I hate you. <laughs> 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 and it always cuts off Ted. That's an annoying thing. Um, I'm ba- Ted's back in my good books after this weekend. He seemed to be back to his normal. I'm not throwing shade. What was I going to say? <laughs> what was my point? Reese? what was my point? Where did we put the list? That's a good That's a good little callback to a podcast. Oh, the off. list. <laughs> the, li- the list. I still think one of the best memories of the podcast is Dave doing his track in alphabetical order because that was his A3 printout. Oh, top, top quality. But no, like, yeah. And Esteban ended up finishing fucking 17th anyway. Yeah, he ruined his own race. He ruined his own race by being a shit. (laughs) That's fine. I do remember my point, though. Fernando is my favorite person to come over the team radio because most people come over the team radio and they're either having a a wine. Like George. Yep. Like Lewis. Like Max on occasion. Fernando comes on the radio and unloads. He doesn't go, also Seb. Seb came on the radio because he had that incident with Stroll. Remember, Stroll pushed him wide in the sprint. Oh, too. yeah, good. Yeah, no, that's the other Can thing. Can you believe that's the first time I've brought up an incident in a race that you haven't remembered? And also, it was one that I should have remembered because it concerned my one of my favorite drivers with one of my least favorite drivers. Oh, same with the Alpine incident, too. <laughs> and fucking instant karma. 10-second penalty for that fucking shit prick. How good was it hearing, uh, not Fernando, Seb come up on the radio and he just goes, okay. It's the new blah. Blah. Just the, okay. Okay. If that's what we're doing, you little shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Alpines, Alpines came together. That has caused a bit of a, which has been bubbling for a little while, but it was really the first big absolute on-air call out. I dislike this man. And it does explain, makes sense far more of a reason why Fernando's like, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, because, well... It doesn't. It doesn't. I think there's a lot of a lot wrong at Alpine that we're not seeing behind the scenes, and that's why Fernando has left. This is just a crux of it. Yeah, it is. It's become a a bigger 
a bigger point of contention over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And what it comes down to is Esteban is quite toxic. Clearly. But that's what it seems like. Because if you think about it, do you remember what happened in 2018 when we fell in love with Max? Yes. Because yes. he, he fucking wanted to punch on, punch on with Ocon. I think I bring it up at least four times in episode. Every episode, it's still the best moment in F1 history when Max was having tried to kill him and call him pussy on there. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. But, and he's got issues with Pierre too. Long-lasting issues with Pierre, which I learned this year, but they've been going on since their karting days, wasn't it? Yeah, and to the point where Alpine have put in a, your families are only allowed to come to two events each and they can't be the same events, which means... If there was a French Grand Prix next year, neither family could turn up to their home race because they would just flat out say, no, it's not fair. Yeah, no, it's not fair. The other thing too um, with Ocon, you don't get along with Sergio either. Really? Well, they were at Force India together when they were the Pink Panthers. And, uh, oh, true. Who got to stay and who was shafted? Yeah. Yeah, Sergio got to stay. Might not have been able to stay for long, but he got to stay. He got to stay and had to partner that little look, shit stroll. Oh, yeah, still. The only reason Ocon's still in the sport is for some reason Toto has a very strong liking of him. And here's my tinfoil of the week. I think Toto likes Ocon because he ruins other teams so Mercedes doesn't have to compete with anyone. That's good. That's good. I'm happy with that one. But that's that's my conspiracy of the year is that the sole reason Toto keeps him around is he is the biggest spanner in the sport and he just ruins teams, all right? Biggest so, spoon in the sport. Oh, dude, seriously. But he, look, think about it, right? Those pink Panthers were on the up and up and up. So, nope. he, so he put Ocon in there. Then Alpine and Renault started to get better. So where did Ocon show up? Yeah. <laughs> but also they were the only seats he could viably put Ock on him because he could do well there and he could just leave him there. I don't think Toto likes him either. I said what I said. Fair enough. Don't at me about it though. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Fair enough. So anyway, the fucking squid wins the sprint race and everyone well, loses their fucking mind. Look, he raced well. I don't like him, but I'm not going to let my personal dislike of someone get in the way of a job well done. You know what? I am because there's the ankle <laughs> socks incident. There's the latte incident. There's the whinging on the radio constantly. If there's a man I didn't want to win in a fucking Formula One car, it was him. I mean, I would I, much rather see Lando Norris win, and I'm going to be jumping for joy that day. Last lap, Lando takes fucking George out. Fuck it. Do you know what the worst part is? What? I'm right. Oh, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. Like, I genuinely am like, you know what? As much as I dislike Lando, I think I dislike George Morneau. However... Uh, job well done, George. Job well done. Carlos Sainz came in, come in second. Fat stacks until he gets a five-place grid penalty for changing parts of his engine. Yeah. So that leads to a Mercedes 1-2 on the starting grid. It does. Lewis Hamilton ended up cl- clinching second place. They called it a 1-2. It's a sprint race. They're not real. They don't count. Well, no, no, no. Because Carlos classified as second. He just got the... Uh, in the starting grid, he dropped down. Oh, dropped seven. it down, yep. So, uh, Lewis still comes third. Max fourth because he was on the wrong tyre. Sergio fifth. Charles sixth. Lando seventh. Magnussen drops down to eighth and everyone cries. Seb's in ninth. Pierre tenth. So, Seb, Seb recovered from uh, Lance trying to kill him. Oh, yeah. No, Seb had a really good weekend, all things considered. Yeah, Danny Rick, 11th. I mean, that's sort of 
where Danny's at, let's be real. Yeah, that's it for him, my man. As, as sad as it is to see, that's just where he's at. And poor Albon's car didn't make it. No, he was the only DNF. Yeah. All right, that's the it. Only- I don't want to talk about Spiro. No, anymore. I've only got one more point to make. It sucks. Yeah, I know. Let's stop bribing him. <laughs> no, Mick Mick pushed his car up the grid a fair bit. He, he did. He came in 12th. So they started that at the top. a lot of good that went. Yeah, no. Started at the top and bottom and they met relatively in the middle. Yeah. Anyway, starting grid, we have the Mercedes 1-2. Funnily enough, Toto's not on site this weekend. It was the it is. only weekend he took off and they won. Yeah. Sure, he was happy about that. Uh, <laughs> so you got the Mercedes 1-2-3-4 of the Red Bulls. Then you got Charles and Lando and... Fifth and sixth. Carlos and K Mag, seventh and eighth. Seb Gasly, and I mean, the rest of it's pretty self explanatory. I'm not going to read all of them. No, the only notable thing is because Alvin's DNF, he started in last place. No, Yuki started in last oh, place. Oh, he started in the pit lane, didn't he? Yes, so that's technically last place. That, yeah, it is It is last place. Let's talk about the race. Lap one. I'll, I'll do it. You do it. I'll, I'll do it, man. I'll, I'll I, do it. I can't. I, it breaks my heart to think about this this incident. Everyone got off the grid relatively cleanly. Grid, that was fine. First corner, fine. Second corner, fine. It was a corner three, four, yeah? Around that section. Uh, it was five, that, six. Yeah, I think it was about five, six. Five, six. About halfway around the lap. It was going into the, the tight hairpin, one of the tight hairpins in the technical session. Yep. Danny sees a gap, puts his nose there. Wasn't that much of a gap? Wasn't much of a gap. It was just one of those one of those moments where you're like, look, man, if you were back in the Red Bull, you would have been next to him and fair enough. Sticks his nose into Magnuson's rear end, gives him a bump. Magnuson does an instant pirouette. And does what the only sane thing I could think of is in that situation and rolled himself backwards to get... Because he's pirouetted in the middle of the racing line. Yep. So he just lets his car roll backwards. In the process of rolling backwards... Demolishes Daniel Ricardo's car. Also known as instant karma for Danny because this was a hundred percent Danny's fault. It was. It was an error by Daniel Ricardo. And what the what I what point I want to make about this is how much better was that than getting a penalty? You hit someone. You both. Hit, well, you took him out of the race. He took you out of the race. Fair's fair. Danny did get a penalty. Danny's got a three place grid drop this weekend. Yeah. I know that, but in regards to you know how normally someone yeah. will take someone out and it's like oh five seconds. Wasn't this nice to watch? Being like. Yeah, no, that's what you get. Yeah. You took him out. He took you out. Fair's fair. And credit to Daniel. He got straight out of the car. He went straight over to K-Mag and had a one-on-one. And it looked like he just flat said, my bad. I'm, yep. I'm sorry, man. You, Which you had such a good weekend. that That's that's on me. Yep. And he also posted about it too. Which also, of course, Daniel did. Every single time he's made an error, he's owned it, come out with it. And that's why he's so loved, right? Yeah. He's... Essentially ruined what could have been one of Haas's best weekends without the sprint. Yeah. And he's got in the way of K-Mag. And they don't dislike each other. They've always been quite friendly. Yeah, and this is only like K-Mag's second first lap DNF. Yeah. Which yeah. is incredible. So they, they were both out on the first lap. Yeah. I mean, do you know what, though? That's not the end of the first lap drama. No, there's more. <laughs> there's, there's this more. is the one you probably disliked more. Yes. Because going up to the next hairpin, Lando sees a gap on Charles and he goes for it and gets a bit sideways in the corner. A bit understeery. Understeery. I also believe he he bumped yeah, the he, curb. Yeah, he's bumped the curb, got a bit understeery, smacked Charles. Charles has done a fucking like a 360 and nose first into the wall. Didn't damage the nose. 
shockingly, that was the biggest shock out of all this is Charles could keep going. Yes. Like, usually you see that, you're like, that's race over. There's been a couple of things this year where the nose has been fine from an incident that last year would have destroyed it. We've seen, I can't remember who went nose in on the barriers. It might have been Lewis at one point. And he's just reversed out. And he's like, I think the nose is all good. And it was. There's been two or three occasions where I'm like, well, that's it. And the nose is fine. Didn't didn't Max also have a first lap incident? No, it was a lap seven incident. He had a, it was, here's the thing. It was very quickly afterwards. It was the first lap after the safety car because the K-Mag Danny Inson bought out the safety car. Yes. But not before Lando punted Charles off. But this is saying Lando. Charles came into the pits at lap seven, so he had. Are we sure? Uh, did we got our. I think we got crossed up here. I think Lando and that was that was the first lap. That was the first lap after safety, safety car that happened. But yeah. we can talk about that now anyway because here's what happened on the safety car. There was a safety car. Nothing happened. The, the field bunched up, but it was already bunched up. Yep, it was a pretty quick safety car, all things considered. There was another brake duct issue with a tear off too. Yeah, it didn't ah uh, Charles's. Rear brake was it Carlos's rear brake? It was definitely one of the Ferraris. I look, I think it was Carlos, but let's be real, it was it was a very Charles like moment. But it, Brundle brought up a very good point. He did, and I want to talk about that a little bit. They should bring it back. He, so he brought up that in the old days they used to have a little thing in the car where they put their tear offs. Yeah, little essentially like a little Velcro box. Yeah, and you just stuck it out. Why? Why we? ditch that that seems like such a safer thing for the environment as well as the cars i agree so i've been thinking about it because it was it was brundle was this might have been his best weekend of the year for brundle he was on fire the whole weekend he's come out and said when we were racing when you do a tear off you put it in the little box the reason i think they moved away from that is when they got rid of ground effect vehicles and they went for a full aero design the wake of the air was firing those things off to the side like absolutely sending them. Now that we've got air sucking car, air, uh, aero that sucks the air yeah. underneath the car, we are now seeing tear-offs and a brake dust. Tear-offs being pulled in and under the car. So that's why last year and for the last like 20 years, we've not seen a single brake duck incident with a tear-off until this year when we fundamentally changed the flow of the air around these cars, it's back because we are aggravating the situation. So yeah, I think that and I'm sure we'll see it in the technical regulations because Ferrari has the right now to, I would say, and a justifiable right to go to the FI and be like, we have been hampered twice this year by tear-offs entering our brake ducts. Yeah. There should be a technical regulation that states that it's a little pouch that you put your, your tear-offs in. You know what? I'm shocked that uh, Lewis and Seb haven't gone to the FIA about this because they're all about the environment. It's a plastic, plastic tear-off. Yep, that's not good for the environment. I can't imagine they. It's a biodegradable tear off. Uh, it surely wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm shocked that they're not like let's stop releasing this into the air. Let's put it in the car so we can dispose of it properly at the end of the race. The only reason why I think they haven't is because I'm and this is an assumption, and I know I'm not good with these things, nope. but my assumption is that the marshals after the race weekend do an emu line and they walk across the whole paddock and they pick up litter. Yeah, we know Seb does that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why Seb hasn't gone to. He's like, don't worry, bro. I've picked them all up myself. Yeah, but you're not going to get them all. They're going to fly off. No, that what? And they're clear. Clear, invisible, tiny bits of plastic. I agree. Just put them in the car and dispose of them at the end of the race properly. Yep. 
it was pretty wild to hear one of it was either Crofty or Brundle's suggestion whether or it could just be a thing that they pull to the side and it and it just stays there. It's like that's not that that doesn't work, does it? We'll put a windscreen wiper on the helmet. <laughs> it's a little tube of water. It just throws a bit of water. It's like <laughs> there you go. It's a job done. Terrible. You know what we should do? Design helmets. No, I was just going to say why just no more helmets. Just get the racing cap back with the goggles. No, that doesn't fix anything at all. No, that's a terrible like, idea. That's a really bad idea. That's a horrible idea. Why would you let me say something like that? Because I wanted you to look stupid on the podcast again. I'd have you know that I'm more than capable of doing that myself. I know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Leno and Charles bumped. Charles managed to continue, but it dropped him down to 18th, down where Max was, because Max had an incident which killed his front wing end plate. Who did he hit? Was it Lewis? Yes. It was literally, yeah, it was Lewis. It was Lewis. It was essentially a reverse of what we'd seen Lewis do the last couple of years. Max went up the inside in a closing door. Yeah. Got his front ring crunch, sent Lewis very wide. Lewis, incredible car control. He went right off into a runoff road, managed to hold it together, get back on the track. I actually want to have a discussion about this because under this year's wording of the rules when it comes to passing... The stewards were absolutely right in penalising Max. However, I think it's flawed in this situation because, as Brundle said, in every other interpretation of rules in previous years, Lewis is the one at fault. And Lewis shut the door on Max, leaving Max nowhere to go. Yes. There should have been a gentleman's respect there, and Lewis should never have turned in as he did. He, he could have quite easily continued on his line, not turned in, and still probably been ahead of Max. So, I do agree with you, but I think we need to do due respect here and talk about what the regulations say this year. Now, from my understanding, it says that unless you are axle to axle, mm-hmm. so front wheels up past halfway to the yeah. car, almost to the level of their wheels, the other driver has pretty much free reign of the corner and can do what they want with it. I understand that, but... Oh, I'm not using that as an argument to push back on you. I'm just saying for anyone no. out there who doesn't know the regulation, that's how they made the judgment. I understand that, but in the technical layout that came out for the post-race penalties and shit... Agreed. It literally says, while the stewards acknowledge Lewis could have given Max a little bit more space. And, and it, that's, that's not good. That's not a good thing to have in your penalty thing. If you're acknowledging the other driver has done has faulted here, has had some has had a significant portion of blame that could be attributed to them. Yes, and it, Lewis did because Lewis turned while Lewis had every right to turn in as he did. I'm not disputing that. Yep, I'm not. I just think that in this sport where the cars are going quicker than our road cars through corners like that, there has to be gentlemen's racing. I agree, man. I and absolutely agree. If we look the post-race park Ferme interviews rather than the deb- already debriefed interviews. Okay, you know yep. I mean. so the raw, so the, the raw, the raw hopped out of the car, you've had a microphone stuck in your face. Yes. Lewis's, uh, and Lewis and Max's quotes both spoke volumes. Because Ma- Max thought that with all that's happened, he thought that maybe there was a bit more respect there and that he wanted to race Lewis and he wants to be able to race Lewis hard. And Lewis just basically, you know, shrugged it off. Yeah. No, and you're right. It wasn't it wasn't a good look. Max Max was pushed to the back of the grid. Lewis rejoined he, 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 middle. Here's what here's what it sums down to. They both cost each other the win there. 
Max gets sent to the back, ruined front wing, 12 sec, 10 second pit stop, which Ted said was incredible because they've got a, a wing change, which usually takes 11 to 12 seconds down to 10. It while was a world record. While it doesn't sound, oh, it's only a second. In f- fucking Formula One terms, that's a, that's a year. Yo, okay. To put an example, we'll watch a pit stop, and if it's longer than two seconds. Two seconds. If we, if you see 2.6 seconds, you go, oh, that's pretty slow. That's pretty And slow. if you see 2.4 seconds, you go, that's acceptable. And yeah. if you see two seconds, you go, that's good. Yeah. So shaving seconds two seconds off a wing change, phenomenal by Red Bull. Which isn't easy. That requires two mechanics to use an Allen key set to undo the old the, nose, the old wing. Take that off. You need to line that up perfectly, slap it on, refasten it, and get out there. Yeah. Red All while other ter- other guys are changing tires, by the way. There was another pit stop incident this week too. There was? Yes. When one of the drivers came in, so it was... Well, I'm sure it had to be one of the drivers that come in. It was one of the drivers. Now, I don't know which one, but it was definitely one of the 20 came in. I believe it may have been a Williams or it may have actually been one of the Ferraris. That's what I think. They've come to pull into their pit box and there is an Alfa Romeo mechanic standing in the pull-in area. Then now, it'd probably be either... Oh. Yeah. No, because we're... Uh, is it Alpha Williams Haas? I think that's the... the, the it might have been Yuki then. Or Pierre. Pierre. You're at, oh, fuck, of course it was. It was Pierre. So as he's... I believe it was Pierre. Is this, is this why the, there was an investigation into the Alfa Romeo team after the race? The whole team. It came up on the screen. So yeah. as he's gone to pull into his pit spot, standing dangerously close in the lane. Now, not on the pit transit lane, on the, the yeah. apron. He is standing right there as the car's pulling in. Now, he wasn't in line of it, but he was where he shouldn't have been. Yep. And it caused the driver in question to essentially come along to be like, did you guys see that? He was standing right about where I was going to drive. Now, the mechanic, in good faith, did the classic up on the tippy toes, lean back, give himself a double chin on camera. However, it did lead to the stewards going, Alfa Romeo team will be investigated after the race. I and didn't see the result of that. I sort of, It sort of got lost in the shuffle, to be honest, for me. I don't know if anything's properly come out about I haven't seen anything pop up on social media with a punishment there. But also, with everything that happened, it's clearly not the priority of the race weekend to sort that drama out. No. However, it was the very first time that in uh, Crofty and Brindle's... Brundle's... Crafty and Brindle's... Crafty and Brindle's commentating career that they've gone, well, we've never seen a whole team investigated before for an incident, so that's new. That is new. I didn't even know... I didn't even say a replay of it, so I was... Didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I got to be honest. I sort of zoned out once someone got in the got in the lead and didn't lose it. And look, I don't blame you. We had very, very different reactions to the whole weekend. For the rest of the race, there was a bunch of overtakes, a bit of pit strategy played out, but nothing really of note. Right towards the end of the race mm-hmm. is where everything got very tense and has left a bad taste in. I want to say pretty much. The whole of the sport. Yeah. And it all starts on lap 50 when Lando DNF'd. Which, honestly, love to see. You're the only one. I know. I know. Look, they, the commentators believed it was a hydraulic thing. I believe it's come out and said that it was an electrical issue that pretty much the car turned off. Yeah, and they couldn't get it into neutral, so they couldn't push it away. Yeah, That's so why was, the safety car was brought out rather than being a VSC. 
They initially hit the VSC button, but then they very quickly hit full safety car after that. And in that time frame... (laughs) It's just the most like... Hold on, I'm going to get the pit lane, the pit stop summary up because I'm going to read out everyone who pitted after lap 50. This is lap 52. Fernando Alonso comes in pits for softs. Pierre Gasly pits for softs. Carlos Sainz pits on lap 53 for softs. Nicholas Latifi on his lap 52 pits for softs. Sonoda <laughs> pits for softs. No, no, George Russell had just pitted for softs. He, my favorite bit of that is his lap 52, which was everyone else's lap 54. Exactly. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Max had just pitted for softs. Lewis has just pitted for softs. Albon has just pitted for... Are you seeing a, a thing here? Everyone seems to be on softs at this point of the race. I feel like the obvious choice is to pit and get softs. On lap 47, Sergio Perez pitted and put mediums on. He was running third at the time. Hindsight. No, he didn't have any softs left. He only had one choice. That's right, yes. The only ties he could have been put on were mediums. the mediums. The mediums. Mediums. Anyway. No Paul this weekend. How good. I wondered why I didn't mind the broadcast. Yeah, no Paul. No, no Paul. Karun was in the Sky Pad. He's brilliant there. Look, when we do our season review and we give you our ratings, you're going to see how I feel about Paul or our stuff. Anyway. <laughs> I have a feeling. Anyway. <laughs> so we get through to safety car restart. And all the cars start passing Checo. Charles passes Checo. Fernando. Sorry. Before we get to the safety car restart, we need to go back to Alpine. Take it away, big boy. Ocon's engineer comes on the radio and says, don't fight Fernando. Ocon has a little sook and is like, no, let me race Leclerc. Ocon comes back remarkably aggressive and goes, I'm in the middle of something. I'll do it in two laps, which is two laps too late as far as I'm concerned. A hundred hard agree. Hard agree. They have their argument, and the last thing that comes over the radio is, Ocon, don't fight Fernando. It was a bitch slap of a radio message from his engineer. He just essentially said, you have been told. Yeah. Don't don't you fucking fight Fernando, pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, race gets underway pretty quickly. <laughs> S-Man gets passed by Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> joy, this is the last moment of joy for me for this race. Because then... It becomes painfully obvious that uh, Sergio gets passed by Charles. Sorry, he gets passed by Carlos. Yes. Then he gets passed by Charles. Then he gets passed by Fernando. Charging up behind Sergio is uh, Max Verstappen. Max is given the wave through by Red Bull under the assumption he takes points off Charles and Fernando. And probably should have been able to. Yes, but... For some reason, he just couldn't get past him. Here's why, man. You've seen how thick Fernando is. Like, that's why. It was Fernando Alonso. That man is possibly the best defender I've ever seen drive a car. Yeah. So, we we are told that if Max can't get past, that he will give the place back. That is what comes over Sergio's radio. Yep. Lap 71 comes. You start hearing on Max's radio. Max let Checo through at this turn. Max let Checo through. Max let Checo... Max, what's going on? Max let Checo through. Max crosses the line ahead of Checo. There was a radio message. There was a radio message. The radio message said, No, I have given you my reasons. Do not ask me again. At which point, everybody goes, What the fuck are you talking about? 
Because up until this point, it has been a blissful relationship of Checo helping Max out. Checo helped. Checo put it very, very bluntly in his post-race interview. Without me, Max isn't a two-times world champion. And I'm a massive Max fan. So am I. I 100% agree with what Checo said in that interview. He's correct. I was so... I'm still upset to this day about... I haven't worn my Max hats. I haven't worn my Max shirt. Poster's off the wall. Post hasn't even turned up yet. It's not going on the wall. <laughs> it's just going in the cupboard. Right From now. that incident of Max refusing to allow Checo to pass, there have been 100 million billion conspiracy theories. We're not going to go through all of them, but we're going to go through the major talking points. But you before that... Before that... Man, you need to eat some humble pie. Because we both said numerous times that when Max had the opportunity, he would help Checo. We were wrong. We, we were, were 100% wrong. I've gone out more than once this year and said that this year Max has finally matured into the racer we knew he could be. No, he fucking hasn't. No, he has not. Was, he's a petulant child. A perpetual child with that attitude. As It pissed me off to... No, pissed me off and disappointed me because we thought he matured enough. He's got the championship. He sees the bigger picture. Red Bull have never had a 1-2 in the World Championship. There was a chance for it, and he... Got he, in the way of it. He got in the way of it. Now Charles and Checo are going into the final race tied, and Charles is ahead because he's had more wins. Yes. Like, it is the most disappointing thing to happen in F1 as a Max fan, because right now I don't want to be called a Max fan. I want to be called a Seb fan. I want to be called a Danny Rick fan. I don't want to be fucking called a Max fan. I Look, I, it, it was hard to watch. It's hard to listen to. Hard to listen to. the. If anyone has spent any time on any form of social media, it has gone absolutely berserk. We should talk about the, the current running theories, and we've only selected ones. No, we've got two of them that we want to We've talk got about. two, and they're both selected based on things that both drivers have said and done. So we're yes. not going to cover things like, oh, do you think it's because of this or that? No, we're going to try our best... We're just going to give the two conspiracies that are out there and our thoughts and opinions on them. I agree. They're all 100% allegedly. We are not in Red Bull. We aren't sponsored by Red Bull. We aren't anything by Red Bull. We're not even. We're not paid by them or anything. <laughs> no. So we're never gonna. We're never gonna know. No. Let's be I, real. We'll never know what the true story is. But we do still think it's important to talk about it because it is a massive, massive incident. Yes. And the first one is something Brundle jumps straight on, very quickly. He brought up Monaco Q3 2022. Where, Checo. for anyone who doesn't remember, Checo crashed on a lap. Yep. Max was on an absolute belter of a lap, looking like he was going to get pole. Checo ended up third. maintaining third. Yes. Everyone basically were brought to a standstill because he's crashed in a very opportune area. I'm saying that with quotation marks. It was an opportune area to crash because he crashed into Portier where... No cars were getting through at that point. He was ahead of Max. He was ahead of Carlos. I think he was ahead of Charles at that point. He was ahead of a lot of the drivers that would have been looking at pole. And the only one it was only no. I'm saying on the racetrack. Oh, on itself. the racetrack, yeah, no, no. He was leading the queue. Yeah, and the red flag gets brought out. No one gets to finish their flying lap. Grid set in stone after that red flag, pretty much. That's what everyone is alluding to. They're alluding to the fact that. Did Checo crash on purpose? That's what they're saying. I, yep. We're not. I don't... And genuinely, my man... There's more chance of George crashing on purpose this weekend to secure third 
in his Q3 rather than fucking Checo doing that. Yeah, I, I genuinely think... I, oh, I, I don't think that with George, but it's oh, not that, a crazy that, thing. No, what I'm saying is there's more of a chance of that being more true than Checo yeah. crashing on No, purpose. I don't think so. And now, you know... And there's people out there saying that he's admitted to Christian and Helmet that he's... Fucking, he did it on purpose. Why the fuck would you do that? You why would, would you never admit, admit that? No, I wouldn't admit that in a million years. That just means, oh... And then why would they sign him on if he's done that? Exactly. You know what I mean? Why would you why would you re-sign Checo if he's just admitted he's crashed on purpose to maintain his own position over Max when the championship was tight? And especially at Monaco, the only reason he won Monaco was because of Ferrari's incompetence as well. That's the exactly. thing too. He secured himself a third a, a podium position, which he is more than capable of getting under his own talent. Because Checo is a very talented driver. Yes. And also, out of all the drivers in the grid, I've he he does seem incredibly honest. He seems like he has a lot of integrity. Yes. I don't think he would have crashed on purpose. If it does come out later on that he has, we'll retract our statements. But from what we've seen of Checo, I don't think you or myself think that Checo would have crashed on purpose. No, and the biggest piece of evidence I have for that is the only time this has ever been brought up is this weekend. Yeah, and this is the first time we're hearing about it ever. Yeah. So we think that one's bullshit. What's the next theory? The second one comes from Reddit today. It's posted by Nepin the Z number, number one fan or some shit. I don't know. It's co- the, the discussion's called Mexico GP, the possible reason of a Max and Checo fallout. It's on the front page of Reddit right now. I'll probably still be there tomorrow. Dur- he talks about how during the Mexican Grand Prix, the sp- Portuguese television sport TV team, which are always dro- joined by a professional driver, had a... Uh, Antonio Felix da Costa as part of the commentary team. Okay. He's an ex-Red Bull Junior, 2019 Formula E champion, 2022 WEC champion. He's on, he's talking, he's giving insight, and he talks about how he was at the Austin GP. And he talks about how he had the opportunity to actually speak to Max. And he comes out and he asks Max, he's like, what are the chances in Mexico that Red Bull give Sergio the win or force a Sergio win? And Max blatantly says no chance, saying that, as with every other GP, may the fastest driver win. Which Max did. Max won, and also, standard Max behavior right there. There's nothing alarming in that statement. No, there's nothing alarming in that, though. Just reading on. Okay. So, according to him, like DeCosta in his speculating, he speculates this might have upset Checo to the point where Checo has now... Unfollowed Max on Instagram and Max has unfollowed Checo on Instagram. And it's a big beef between the two leading to what happened at the Brazilian GP where Max refuses to give up the position. Now now that you've told me this theory, the Checo crashing one seems far more realistic. Yeah, which isn't realistic at all, but compared to that, an Instagram tiff is what caused this. It's just like... No, neither of these are even cl- probably no. close to it. Here's what the truth is. Max is a dickhead. Yeah. He's always been a dickhead, which, and also if you go back and listen to the tracks, I've always said I've liked him because he's a bit of a dickhead and I relate to that. No, I get that. And like, I used to get that too, but when you... But this is an exception. This is an exception to that rule because you've won the world championship. Twice. (laughs) Your team has won the constructors championship. There's only one thing to play for left. That's Checo getting second. Play the team game. Now, according to Christian and Helmet, 
They've had an internal discussion with both of them, and at Abu Dhabi, both of them will be aiming to get Checo second place. Securing the one-two. Yes. Begs to be seen, though. We'll know at the end of Abu Dhabi what actually happens. Yep. When they ask Max and Checo to swap places and whether Max does it or not. And look, you, you've you said your thoughts on it, so I'm going to have a crack at what my thoughts are on it. Yep. Look, incredibly disappointed. Am I still going to support this person? Yeah, probably. Do I like this aspect of them? No, absolutely not. Do I think it was one of the worst sportsmanship moments I've ever seen? Yeah, 100%. I'm not going to switch allegiances probably. I'm a Red Bull fan. I am a Max fan. But I tell you what, he makes it hard. He This weekend made it incredibly hard to enjoy what this man can do because he is incredible behind the wheel of a car. Yeah, I'll still be a fan, but right now I just don't want to be a fan. You no. know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to think about it. I don't... I and I don't think all the discussion on the internet is helping with theories of why. The discussion should be, uh, as a fan base, we go, hey, man... That is a red card offence. Regardless of why, that's not what you do to your teammate ever. Yeah, I get you. I don't think we're going to help by saying any more or any less. I think that's where we're going to leave that, and we will see what happens next week. If that happens again, I'm going to be even more disappointed. I probably will burn my Max stuff at that point if he does it again. If it does occur again, I will probably be not supporting that person anymore. Yeah, that that's going to be the, the tipping point. Let's talk about the results. <laughs> All of that, Max's inability to pass and to allow Checo another crack. Not that Checo was going to go on to win. Checo was going to go on to fight Fernando. Do I yeah. think Checo would have passed Fernando? No, probably not. It's Fernando. No. Let's talk about the results. This was a fantastic weekend for the Mercedes team. Where's Dave out? Did you notice in our group chat that Dave, Monday, was in the chat all day? Yep. All day. We haven't heard Dave in months. Comes in the chat and he goes, good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> and proceeds to murder us. Absolutely destroy us. Absolutely let it rip. George Russell came home in first place. It's his first victory in Formula One. He had a beautiful race, man. Look, he... It, it wasn't a dominant victory. I didn't know squids could win races. Turns out that dude who asked that 15-minute question was right. A trained monkey can drive the car. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, George, I don't like you. It was a very good performance. That's Congratulations on your, on, it. Congrats on your first win. I'm not congratulating you. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to, my man. I am falling on both our swords. You should. I, look. Lewis came second. Lewis came second. Brazil went mental. I don't want to go back to Brazil anymore. That <laughs> <laughs> is real. I don't like the Brazilian track anymore. I don't want it on any calendar. <laughs> yeah, Andy's done. I'm done with it. They just like Lewis too much. The reason we're recording today is I was like, hey, man, do you want to record? And he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I went, you know what, man? I think that's fair enough. It wasn't a good idea. Lewis Hamilton in a second. It was a Mercedes one too. Toto wasn't there. He managed to get on the phone and congratulate them. He was on the radio. They they, they got him a team radio. Yeah, they got him the radio. And I love I love Toto. He just went, well done. <laughs> he was over the moon. Well done. Third place, Third Carlos place. Sainz. Podium yeah. finish. We all like Carlos. Well done. In my books, he came first. Yes. Charles fourth. So, 
amazingly, Ferrari managed to do okay. And now they're going to fire Mattia. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a terrible weekend all round. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Nando. the man, the myth. The Nando. The Nando. Fifth place. Max six. Should have been last. Should have been last. Sergio seventh. Should have been sixth. Yes. Esteban, for some reason, is should have been DNF. <laughs> uh, ninth, Valtteri. Tenth, eleventh uh, is Seb. Yep. It was weird. No one was in tenth. It was yeah, strange. It's no really weird no that no one's in tenth. No, but I do want to talk about Valtteri again. Fantastic performance. Did everything right. Is managing to get points out of a team that has really, really struggled over the last few years. He's found a home. He's also got a bang in Mo. He's looking good. He's growing one for November. Yeah, no. Nah, uh, super stoked for Valtteri that weekend. And the worst part was, it was a really good drive and it was missed in, missed in everything. Tenth, there was no tenth. There was no tenth. We talked about Seb in 11th. 11th. Again, Sebi, well done, my man. Twelfth, Joe. So he's fought away up the grid a little bit there. Yep. Thirteenth, uh, disappointment. Yeah, Mick. Fourteenth, more disappointment. Yeah. Fifteenth, Okay. For a Williams. <laughs> yeah, for a Williams. <laughs> Alex Albon, again, legend. Keep going. 17th, Yuki Tsunoda. Well, hold on. We do got to say 16th, Goatman, Nicholas Latifi. Not a lap down. Not a lap down. Safety car. That's what we missed. What? The final safety car. They let through Albon. They let through Latifi. Poor Yuki got stuck there, remember? And I know Why? Why? So, it is something to do. So, the system is automated based on Michael Massey from last year. Completely off topic. One of my co-workers went to a wedding. Michael Massey. Groomsman. No shit. Yeah. They married into his family. It is an automated... He's not in witness protection? No. And he was like, yeah, do you, I, I met some dude who said, like, I think he works like in and around Formula 1. His name's Michael Massey. And I'm like... You, you have no idea. You met the massive. <laughs> you met him. Massive. You met the man. <laughs> the legend. Because they're automated sensors, Yuki Tsunoda had, and I don't remember exactly what it had, he had gone past some of the cars, which essentially meant his sensor didn't ping, so the system didn't recognize him as being a lap down. But to his credit, when the restart happened, he pulled immediately out of the line of fire. He did everything right this weekend, which has got to be the first time he's done that. Well, he's got to lead the team next year, so <laughs> he needs to show he can be mature. And we've already <laughs> talked about the non-classifieds. Non-classified, which was... Lando, Kevin, and Danny. That's just... And Brazil, man. South Jesus Pal. Christ. Let's never go back. No, I say that, but I like the track. I just... It wasn't a good weekend for you. I'm just salty all around. Really? (laughs) Anyway. Let's talk about this weekend. Final race of the year. What do you mean? The championships wrapped up. It's all done. There's no race this weekend. I want to see Checo get second. I do. I want to see Checo win this race. I know. We we have to talk about the Yas Marina, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. There's all. There's only one thing you need to know about Yas Marina. The first two corners are good, and the rest is shit. Thanks, Kimi, Kimi. Raikkonen. One of the best. 2012. And, yep. On Top Gear, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty sure it was. That's where it became popular because Jeremy Clarkson was like, "Do you remember what you said?" And Kimi's like, "Nah." nah. <laughs> that was also the story where he said that he'd 
the stig went to a bar in Monaco. Yeah, and he sent Kimmy past out. Well, he said that someone drunkenly fell over and landed on his feet, and he looked down, and Kimmy was like, is it me? Um, <laughs> and Jeremy was like, yeah. <laughs> Kimmy, come back. Please. So, Andy? The track facts are it's, it's in Abu Dhabi. It's at the Yas Marina. First race was in 2009. And I couldn't give a rat's ass about it, to be honest. And it's a shit track. It's always been a shit track. Even when the V8s were there, it was a shit track. Oh, look, it's just not well designed. It's completely flat. There's no elevation. And they was it Karun or Paul that fucking helped them redesign it for last year? It was Karun. In a Mercedes. Yes. So he redesigned it for a Mercedes. Which clearly didn't help last year. <laughs> well, actually, no. If you think about the race as a whole, it fucking did. Oh, absolutely. Do you have corners? 16. 16. 58 laps. Lap records held by Max last year, funnily enough. Yep. And it was the site of a murder scene last year. Because it was Lewis's eighth world title completely murdered and won by Max Verstappen. Look, we are a year... It's it's been a year since this Team happened. LH never forgets. The Verstappen Shaggers never forget, although they need to forget last week. Will this microphone break if I bounce it off your head? Probably. All there's, right. There's a lot of rocks up in there. <laughs> that thick skull of yours. <laughs> and the shock absorbing smooth breath. Look, I don't care for Abu Dhabi that much. Last year was the only exciting one. Because the championship was on the line. That's it. That's the only reason why last year was exciting. No, you know what? Last year wasn't exciting until the final lap because Michael Massey saved the race. Michael Massey just went, you know what, boys? This is a motorsport. We are racing. We are racing for this. This is, yeah. Like, if that had finished under the safety car, he would have been shot. He did what he did and he still got shot. Look, it was a lose-lose for him. No matter what he did, he just made it exciting. And... And literally, he did because we all woke. Well, you didn't, but I me, fell asleep. Everybody, everybody in, the in chat, that chat, we all woke up on lap fifty-seven. Ah, uh, fifty-seven to fifty-eight, because we're like, "There's a chance," because we seen that li- that notice that said safety car in at the end of this lap. We seen the cars drive past the safety car that led Max and Lewis basically side by side. We got to see Max drive right beside him and basically go, "Fuck you, this is mine." And take it. And take it. It was great. And there's the most exciting Abu Dhabi's ever been. And will ever be. There's nothing. Actually, you know what? Wrong. 2012 Abu Dhabi was also really good. Kimi Raikkonen started fourth, and that was the famous, leave me alone, I know what, what I'm doing. doing. And he won it. Yeah. He started fourth on the ray. Fourth. Yep. It's... Look... Abu Dhabi is essentially F1 cashing in a big paycheck at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. The, the country is clearly paying an insane amount of money to guarantee it as the last race of the year, the final celebration. I really wish they'd stop, though. I just It's not good. Imagine, imagine if Brazil was the last race of the year. How insane would that have been? Could I you imagine have... any track that's good being the last race of the year? I don't have to. I think about it all the time. Right. <laughs> Because if you think about it, you should just have the, the desert races at the start of the year, just get them out of the way, get them over and done with. So we go Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi, and 
this one. Get them yep. out of the way the first four rounds. Then we can have fun for the rest of the year. Agreed. Agreed. The, the drivers can celebrate properly. All, all of that. Yeah. However. Instead, they get to drink fucking rose water on the podium after they win. And I don't know if that's tasty. It sounds like a perfume. It sounds disgusting. We should do a top five for the last race. Yeah, we forgot to do that last week. I realized that as we were listening. I was like, I wonder who I picked. No one, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to put him first. So, yeah, there's no way we're going to catch up. I win by default. So, here's my predictions. Fernando first. Is that your one? No. Okay, because he's actually mine. Go. And I know you... Look. I'm ready to laugh, so come on. I'm going to back up a little bit because you may spit on me. First place, Lewis Hamilton. Ah, that's fine. I'm not as mad at him anymore. I don't, I don't care about the record, but I would love to see that man on the top step of the podium because they've worked hard this year. Second place, Max Verstappen. Nah, nah, banned. <laughs> I told you I was backing up. Hold on, let me do my three and then you, you go. Third place, Sergio Perez. Fourth place, George Russell. Fifth place, Carlos Sainz. You're not even having Charles in the top five. Oh, without a doubt, Ferrari is not going to let that man come second in the championship if they have a chance. Yeah, Max Verstappen's doing a better job of giving him second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> what are right. your top, what's your top five? Sergio first. Yep, I like it. I support this decision. Everyone George, else DNF. <laughs> George second. Lewis third. Charles fourth. Nando fifth. Understandable and acceptable, my friend. Understandable and, and acceptable. the end of the race, check flag goes out. Everyone has finished, except for Max. Max crashes out lap one. Crashes into Charles, but Charles continues. <laughs> yeah, that, that really fucking get under my nose. Anyway. <laughs> Get around. We do the, the you know, the cool down lap. Yes. They get to the main, the main straight area. Lewis pulls to the side. Fernando pulls to the side. Danny Rick pulls to the side, and Seb pulls to the side. They let everyone else fuck off, and they sit there and they do mad doughies in their cars and blow their engines up. Well, you know what, man? That's one thing we haven't spoken about because of how intense that race was. It's the last time we're going to watch Seb drive, possibly. I'm sad because it's the end of an era. Cause Do you know now that with Seb retiring at the end of this weekend, Lewis Hamilton has more wins than the whole grid combined? Yeah. Yeah, he does. So I know we don't normally ask for much, but we are asking for something special this weekend coming up. Seb driver of the day. Please vote Seb driver of the day. The man deserves it. He's turned into a statesman of the sport. The work he does for the environment is phenomenal. The work he does for just equality in general. He put his shirts on sale too this past week. Good. So he's same love one that he wore in Hungary. His Save the Bees one he was wearing in Austria. I think so. And the other, the, the Miami GP one he put up as well. And whatever the other one is as well. I think it's like a race one. Yep. He put all four of them up for sale. For charity too, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure, yeah. For each, each of the charities that they represent. represent. Look. He's he's a great person in the sport. If he doesn't come back as a race, I really wish he's involved in Sky somehow. I want him to be part of the broadcast. 
Maybe we can get him in instead of Nico because, you know, Seb will be allowed in the paddock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that, man. I wouldn't be opposed to that. It's also the last race for Nicholas Satifi. Good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, okay, cool. Whatever. Last race, race for, for Danny. And most likely last race for Mick for the time being. Yep. I'm saying for the time being for both Danny and Mick. Because they're the only two we can realistically see coming back into the sport. Yes. Seb's retired. Nick's been moved on unceremoniously. Mick has been given plenty of opportunities and it's clearly a thing that they don't want to do. And Danny, we've spoken about every week since he announced he's taking a year off. Every single person is like, we wish we could keep this man in the sport. And it, he will stay in the sport. Like he said, he's signing. He wants to sign a reserve driver role. Then he'll sign for a team that brings their reserve driver every weekend, which we know is only two. Yep, Mercedes and Red Bull. And if he goes to Red Bull, the rumor is Mick to Mercedes. As reserve? As reserve. And I think that would be lovely to see. I think it's the most logical one. And, I mean, if shit does hit fan and Checo decides he wants out of Red Bull, at least Red Bull have a, a competent driver they can put in under the specific guise of, look, you're a number two driver, you need to accept that. Yep. And I um, think he would. I think he'd accept it because it's he's in a top team again. Yep. In a car that, the only car that's ever truly worked for him. Let's hope it still does. Thank you very much for listening, guys. This has been one of the hardest episodes for us to record. It took quite a bit of work and discussion to make sure we got our tone right and didn't absolutely unload on certain drivers. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You will see us again for a review of next week. It'll be a bit later, though, because I'm away for the first few days. Of course. It's the end of the season. If you've been with us from the beginning, awesome. We can't wait to finish the year with you. If you've joined us midway through the season, thank you so much. We're glad you came along for the ride. And we can't wait to talk about next week's race. Take a short break. Do some really, really fun content over summer. Yeah. And then get back into it for year two. I think we'll do I think we'll take a, a week off after Abu Dhabi. We'll do some riding and we'll come back with our se- season review. And we'll try and get everyone in on it. Absolutely. So thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. <laughs>